All right, and we are rolling. So welcome to the show, everyone. I'm Henry, and with me, as always, is Tom. Hello, everybody. Uh, so two episodes ago, we uh, tackled the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and then last episode, we tackled uh, Batman. So today, originally, we were going to talk about the DC Extended Universe and movies, but then we thought about it again, and we were like, eh, fuck that. So <laughs> instead, we're going to try something a little different here. We're going to kind of take a break from the being cynical about movies and TV kind of stuff, because we had already done 10 episodes of that, and we're going to do a sort of special little one-off episode where we're going to talk about creative writing since uh, both Tom and I like to do that as a hobby. Uh, so think of this kind of like a little workshop, just kind of shoot the shit type discussion. Yeah. Uh, I mean, um, <clears throat> I don't know if you have a, a specific topic that you want to kick it off with. I know that you floated some things in texts prior to this, but I'm happy to take this in whatever direction uh, you want to, because just for, the sake of the audience, Henry is the the actual published writer between the two of us. <laughs> so, uh, published in air quotes, if if you count self publishing as published, then yeah. yeah, I mean, I would I would count that. I mean, it's it's very prominent nowadays, so I would I would count that. Mm. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that Henry is Stephen King, but I am saying <laughs> that he's put stuff out there that is actually like purchasable and people can read it. Uh, whereas for me, at least thus far in my life, it's been more of a hobby. So I don't know. Is there is there a specific uh, direction you want to take this in? Well, that's interesting that you say that because um, uh, one of the things I did kind of want to talk about that's crossed my mind is that I'm starting to see writing less and less as an aspiration and more and more as a hobby, if that mm. makes sense. Um, especially because over the last few days, I've been uh, starting to do something a little different with my uh creative side where i've been looking at writing prompts online instead of trying to come up with my own ideas from scratch even i know that there's no such thing as a purely original idea like all ideas come from somewhere but um i had after i released my last book back in october i started to go through a little bit of like a mini identity crisis where i was writing some things and i know i sent you some drafts but it wasn't really going as well as i thought it would or as, as well as i hoped it would um, so then I kind of started to go through a phase of writer's block and it was only just a few days ago, um, kind of in preparation for this, but kind of just also on my own leisure time, I had the idea to just check out some writing prompts online. I know there's a popular subreddit of writing prompts. And, uh, even if you just do a simple Google search, you can find entire websites dedicating to writing prompts. And, uh, that kind of really helped because I think one of the reasons why my own writing was starting to stall is because I was putting too much of myself into it to the point where it was like kind of starting to become a little too self-indulgent or at least that's how it was starting to feel to me like things were starting to like uh hit too close to home even if i was writing something like in the realm of like sci-fi or fantasy i was inserting myself too much into it or, mm. or at least from my perspective i was and i think working off of writing prompts really helps me to kind of not have that issue and to be fair i've only started doing this a few days ago so it, it could just be because it's fresh and it might i might get burnt out from this too after a while but at least right now it kind of feels comfortable to me in that way where it's like uh it's that right balance of like you know a prompt if it's vague enough still allows you to take control of the story but you know you're still working off of something that's being handed to you by someone else and the reason I see it more as a hobby is because, like, if I do actually uh, start to do more of this kind of stuff of, like, taking writing prompts and writing stories based off of those, I don't really plan on, like, putting those together into a book and releasing them through Amazon the way I've been doing up until now. Because I, I, I don't know. I think I would just feel weird, like, monetizing something that isn't 100% mine, even though, like, 
right. I probably wouldn't get in trouble, but it's just more of like an ethical thing, I guess. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah, that's yeah. an that's an interesting um, point that you bring up about um, it being too close to home. Yeah, I was interested for your take on that. Actually, um, yeah. yeah, that that is an interesting thing because I don't know if that's something that I've particularly um, struggled with for a a well, like a long time i remember so like i've i've written in my free time and as a hobby since i was probably like six um mm-hmm. and some of that was like me dictating stuff to my brother who would write it like my r- brother and i share writing ex- uh, uh, projects all the time mm. but um so like back when i was six and stuff i would do that and i think that maybe kind of unsurprisingly during awkward teen years there was a period of time where i think i i know what you're kind of describing is like almost in an effort to make my writing feel relevant to me i ended up burning myself by like hitting too close to home essentially like striking a nerve or um making it almost too poignant to my own life yeah and I would say that that probably I, that probably started to phase out as um, maybe as I, I started to hit like adulthood, like of like 18, 19. Um, but like, bear in mind, at that point, I had been like writing in my free time for upwards of like 12, 13 years. Yeah. So like, that's a long time to go through that phase of things. Um and I think that what brought me out of it personally was that uh, somewhere along the line, I just developed a like strong fascination with what compels other people to do the things that they do. Mm-hmm. And so I started, my, my imagination started wandering with like, well, what if there was a person who felt this way about this and did blank about it or whatever? And it stopped being so much about me or like... um it stopped being about being an outlet for me to channel stuff that I had experienced and more ended up being like, I wanted to take somebody that I did know and put them through things that I kind of did know or had some idea about and like, see how they would react differently. So it's almost like this like indirect self insertion almost sense. But, yeah, it kind of does. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, I know that, like, uh, self insertion is a lot of new writers struggle with. And funny enough, it's actually like a massive thing that if you look at, like, fan fiction or whatever, I mean, there's literally, like, an entire genre that is self insert fan fiction. Yeah. It's like a very. Um, it's and this is this obviously isn't meant to, to sound like a, a derogatory thing towards you, Henry, or any of your writing projects. Yeah, but no, like, no, no. I think it's a very like rookie thing almost. Mm-hmm. Is that it's, um, before you get that that before you find something out in the world that like something other than your experiences before you like grab onto something that's like oh that's really cool I want to write about that or whatever, you kind of like almost have to. I guess it's maybe a good way to describe it. It's like you almost have to like expend your own emotional reserves on sort of this like self exploration stuff. Yeah. Until 
you can find stuff external to yourself to grab onto. And to be perfectly honest, maybe these writing prompts are the beginning of that for you. Maybe like that's why you're reaching out to them is that you're like, ah, I'm kind of bored with the stuff that's about or like that's even indirectly about me. Yeah. And I want to see other things. And rather than bother, like waste my own mental energy trying to find like trying to come up with stuff right now, like from my own brain, I just want to see what's out there and, and write about that. Yeah. So, I think yeah. that that's actually a pretty natural process. At least I think that I went through a similar thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds like you did. You just didn't necessarily turn to writing prompts specifically, like as you went through that transition. Well, and also, yeah, bear in mind that um, mm. my timing ended up being that I was going, I was like doing a lot of this like exploration in like late high school. And I took like creative writing classes where they gave us prompts as like homework. So I kind of did do it, but just not voluntarily, I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because uh, sometimes I forget that schools would actually like do that, like sort of like uh, implement that. I kind of wish I would have taken that stuff more seriously when I was in school. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of tough to it's tough to know what you're interested in in school because there's a lot of stuff that I look back and I'm like, Oh wow, I should have paid way more attention in that class or like done way more with this in that class. But I think that, I don't know. I think that in some way, uh, <laughs> like I ended up appreciate, I ended up appreciating some things from school way more in hindsight than I did. Because like, just like what you said is when I was doing those writing prompts, I don't know if I was taking them that seriously, but I think they were in the background helping me like transition away from doing stuff that was like about what I knew and transition into doing things that were like more exploratory. Yeah, definitely. And I think another thing with uh, writing prompts in particular is that because I had thought about using them before in the past, but I always avoided them because of, I guess there was like a stigma of like, oh, it's not. It's not 100% your idea, so you're cheating. You know, I'm saying cheating in air quotes, but I, I kind of don't really uh, think about those kind of stigmas anymore because, number one, like I said, I'm starting to see writing as more of just a hobby, at least for right now, for the foreseeable future. But the other thing is that I think times really have changed where, like, you know, we have the technology to be able to access all these kinds of prompts at your fingertips, so might as well like embrace that and use that to your advantage. I mean, I imagine like the kind of writing prompt websites and subreddits and stuff that exists now, like writers from back in the day would have killed for something like that. At least I would think so. But. Well, yeah. So it's kind of, this is like, this is actually a pretty interesting topic about writing prompts because there's, I kind of have like two different philosophies on this that are almost, um, they're almost like contradictory, but I also at the same time believe both are true in a way. And mm-hmm. I'll, I'll I'll be interested to hear what you have to say about this. It's like what you said at the beginning of this is like no idea is like truly like new. It's like there's always going to be inspirations of things. And it's kind of interesting because I realize looking back, especially on a lot of my like early writing projects, I can just see outright. It's like, oh, this is this is me basically using that video game I played or like that book I read as a writing prompt. Like it's like it's basically me having experienced something, whether it's a game I played, a movie I watched, a song I listened to, a book I read. It's basically my brain going like, oh, but what if I did that? Yeah. But did this different thing with it. 
Which is basically, when you think about it, there's the longest writing prompt in the world. It's like, <laughs> I read Harry all the Harry Potter books as my writing prompt, so now I'm going to write my own thing. Right. Uh, rather than it being like a paragraph or something describing what you should write about. Yeah. Um, so, like, in a way, everything is kind of a writing prompt, and I think that that's why... Um, why maybe um that like stigma you talked about maybe maybe you're just kind of coming around to appreciating that fact that it's like well why not look around like window shop and like find cool ideas and whatnot because yeah. once i think that there's a little bit of a phase at least there was for me when i was a writer where like i became discouraged by the fact that there were there, like that no story is like truly unique yeah and then eventually i just kind of came around to the idea that it's like well actually that's just kind of cool like everything is sort of this weird like cultural mix mash um i think that that's pretty neat yeah uh, I, I i would tend to agree the only thing is that uh when i kind of came around to that realization that like all stories are really one story that caused my own work to start to become a little too meta and like self-referential i don't know if you've noticed that with like stuff of mine that you've read but like i i I get a little too meta with it sometimes. I think. Yeah, I think yeah. I think you like. I think you enjoy meta stuff, but mm-hmm. maybe there's a point even for you where like you don't like the meta commentary of things. Uh-huh. Um. So I don't know. Maybe that's there's going to be like a bit of a thing of like finding balance there, or maybe yeah. you'll just kind of transition into this, um, more seeking out like ideas through different means and you won't run into that meta commentary thing i don't know yeah that's um, what i think right now at least uh, obviously like it's still too early to tell but so far at least with the sort of uh, ideas that i've come up with in the last few days from looking at prompts and stuff i haven't run into that problem like i was before with my older writing so so far i feel good about it about not running into that issue of like oh, well, my story has a mentor character and every story has a mentor character. So I got to be, you know, reflective of that and lampshaded and stuff, you know, because I was doing a lot of that before. Right. I, I see what you mean. I mean, there's also um, there's also like, at least in my opinion, I'm more likely to get meta about things um, if I like care deeply about the subject because I have like this breadth of knowledge about other things in that same field. Yeah. So maybe like more and more writing about things that you actually kind of don't care about will let you shed that meta skin. Yeah. Because you won't have that like backlog of information in your brain where you're like, Oh, I should talk about that. Or like, I should point out this or whatever, because like you won't care. Uh, Not only will you not care necessarily, but like you won't have that insight. And so you'll be able to kind of write more freely. Yeah, no, that's definitely a very good point. Uh, Cause I've been trying to also like move away from like the sci-fi and fantasy stuff since I've sort of like exhausted uh, those tropes in like my uh, uh, older writings that I've already put out and some stuff that I didn't get around to putting out. Um, and I think that's where a lot of like the cliche meta stuff kind of started to seep in because again, it's stuff that, uh i grew up with a lot as a little kid and stuff so like you said i knew a lot about it i had a lot of emotional attachment to it so i felt the need to be super like self-reflective of it where he's like other genres that i've never really explored before like noir and stuff are a little more exciting to me right now because i didn't grow up with so much of an attachment to them so it just all feels new so i don't like because uh there's one story idea based on a prompt from a few days ago in particular that i'm trying to do like a noir thing with and at least for right now it doesn't feel too 
trophy or meta again that could always change but i i think it's like you uh an ignorance is bliss kind of thing the less you know about something the more it actually might work to your advantage which may sound counterintuitive but i guess there's some truth to it yeah i i i think that there's absolutely truth to it i mean especially it's kind of like um when you're a kid like everything seems really like magical because you don't know how anything works oh it's yeah. kind of like um it's kind of like that with writing it's like before yeah. like without knowing what's out for instance this is actually a great kind of like tie-in back to what we were talking about earlier is when a lot of people the realization that there are no like th- there are no truly like original stories out there is like disheartening but it's kind of like an interesting thing because one of the reasons that it can be disheartening is before that you had no idea like that that concept even existed like that stories like copied each other everything just seemed new and magical and whatnot yeah um so that's why it can be disheartening is to like discover that that magic isn't necessarily out there but there's also like a another kind of side to that magic that is like oh everything is interconnected which is neat so you kind of have to like balance those two like wondrous parts of culture and maybe Mm. i guess you were leaning a bit a little bit too heavily towards like everything is interconnected and self-referential and blah blah blah. um so maybe now you just need some time to lean back towards like everything is new and i know nothing yeah yeah um I, I wanted to really quick tie back um, what I was going to say earlier was that I commented that there's like two like kind of like contradictory things about like coming up with ideas. And that is, I said the one that's like, everything is, there are no original ideas. Everything is self-referential. You borrow from everything, mm-hmm. but this is kind of the contradiction to this. And I, I'd be curious to hear your opinion on it is if there is such a thing as like a truly original story, of mine or anybody else's i feel like it is something that i came up with when i was extremely bored and the reason why i say that is that i've noticed that when i am extremely bored that's when my brain actually starts making like creative ideas um because like it's like my brain is trying to entertain itself yeah and so you need to like come up with crap Right, right. And that's actually an interesting thing in that I've, like, stopped watching a lot of, like, YouTube and whatnot because I've, I found myself, like, going to it because I was bored. But now I kind of, like, want to force myself to be bored. And it, I've noticed that it's, like, I've been coming up with, like, not necessarily, like, creative ideas, but, like, I've been, like, coming up with, like, thoughts and, like, interesting things to try or like interesting ideas that just like pop into my head way more often so it's like it's kind of a weird thing where it's like simultaneously exposing yourself to tons of culture can give you new ideas like oh well what if i combine i don't know just like i'm gonna throw random things out there like what if i combine Mm -hmm. like alien with like james cameron's avatar or whatever it's like uh like exposing yourself to ideas can make you come up with new things because you like your brain will make connections maybe where other people don't see them but i've also found that like isolating yourself from new ideas can also help because your brain wants to entertain itself and it just comes up with something so i don't know i don't know if you've had those experiences no i definitely have yeah when i was uh writing uh mainly all the stuff that ended up in my first two books i think i was going through a similar phase 
to what you just described. Oh, and for context for people listening, my two books that I self published are short story collections. So um, they're, they're both, you know, like compilations of lots of different ideas. And I, uh, I kind of remember being in a similar phase as what you just described in that um, I wasn't really doing a lot of YouTube or a lot of anything else when I was coming up with those ideas. So and it wasn't like something that I forced upon myself. I, I guess I just kind of naturally gravitated to that where I would just sit around with a notebook all the time. And so ideas just kind of came about more like organically in that way. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, uh, I mean, maybe this is, maybe this means I'm a bad employee, but like I'll notice at work or whatever, I'll just be kind of like sitting there waiting for something to, to happen or whatever, waiting on an email or something. I think we all do that from time to time. And, so, yeah. and my brain will just be like, it'll just like imagine a conversation or something, which I guess saying that out loud makes me sound insane, but it's also like, it's like, well, I don't know where that conversation came from. It's just like a random idea that popped into my head that it's like, I don't even know who's speaking. It's like, what if these, what if these words with these intentions were exchanged? And then like often that'll like branch out into my, into my head. It's like, well, what kind of character would say that? And what kind of character would be in this conversation on the other side of the conversation? It's like, I don't know. It's, um, I don't know if everybody has that, but like, it the weirdest things will just come to you to me at least when i'm like out like dead bored like no stimulation not even like listening to music or whatever it's yeah. just it just pops into my head because it's almost like my neurons are like hey what are we doing i'm really really bored right now can yeah. i like come up with an idea or something <laughs> you know now that you say that I, I never noticed this before but i think i was a little more creative before the pandemic because of the fact that i was physically in the office for my job and when you're in the at least for me when i'm like in the office like i can't just be like sitting around dicking around on youtube or you know or anything like that but like you said you know like inevitably there's just going to be lull periods where nothing's happening at work where you're just sitting around having to wait for an email to come through or whatever it might be. And I think it was in those periods when I, when I was starting to become a little more creative actually, now that I think about it. And because a lot, even though I published my two books recently, a lot of those ideas were ideas that I had uh, earlier. I'm pretty sure all those ideas were pre pandemic. I just didn't get around to writing all of them until a little bit after the pandemic, but yeah, so maybe you're maybe uh, maybe a component of your writer writer's block more recently is that you've kind of exhausted that creative um, juice that was present pre-pandemic when you were, you know, in the office and funny enough, more bored. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was going to say I know so many writers, both like professional authors who have written about their like about their workflows or work styles, yeah, and then also like um, amateur writers like you or or me um who say like they swear by either writing in a journal or they write on a computer that doesn't have internet access yeah and the reason is that it's just like if i run across like a sentence or whatever or like a paragraph or a page or a chapter whatever whether they're whether they're outlining their book or they're like dead in the middle of their book if i run across like a problem if I have the internet, I'll like, there's always that instinct to be like, ah, this is annoying me. And I'll go watch like a YouTube video. But it's like, if you don't have the internet, 
you're kind of just trapped there with the idea and it'll yeah. hang there and eventually your brain will sort of just figure it out yeah, um, yeah or at least it'll keep trying until something sounds right or until you get something passable enough that you feel confident to move on and then you can come back to it later or whatever but it's like uh, yeah y- y- there's it's it's weird because so often do I like run across something where it's like I watch something and I know I never would have come up with an idea had I not watched that thing. But there's also this weird part where it's like, I also know that there are plenty of experiences where I know I would never would have come up with that idea had I not been like doing nothing at that time. Right. In isolation mode. Yeah. yeah, It's pretty, it's pretty strange, Yeah, Um, but it's also kind of cool because you have lots of options for, for inspiration. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, but I've definitely noticed that with myself. And also, not only did I come up with all my ideas, not all, but most of my ideas pre-pandemic, but then when it came time to actually write those ideas, I would grab a journal and walk over to a cafe where I would be like, like you just described, like, you know, like uh, locked in, you know, like I have to kind of just, I put myself into a position where I was like forced to just sit there and write through the idea, even if in the back of my mind, I knew something was wrong, it would help with the discipline of actually like writing the idea out which is something I think I've kind of lost uh, recently, mainly because it's been so cold that I haven't really been going anywhere. But thankfully, the weather's actually getting better now. Uh, but that being said, like, uh, I've noticed other authors, uh, you know, like you described, like George R. R. Martin says he writes on a computer that's not hooked up to the internet. I'm pretty sure Stephen King writes on a typewriter still. Neil yep. Gaiman long hands everything on a notebook. Yeah, I do think you're onto something there, that like isolation yeah. is a factor, you know? Well, and also, um, it's kind of funny because I remember um, it's almost the opposite of us because uh, in our world of endless stimulation at your fingertips, um, like being at home is somehow like more distracting than being out in the world. Yeah, it's um, screwed up when you think about it. But yeah, it's true. because yeah. I remember, funny enough, oh, I wish I remembered his name. There was like some, there was some guy in... Uh, in England, I think that when the Spanish flu happened in like the, in like 1918, mm-hmm. 1919, 1920, uh, basically the, the pandemic before this pandemic. Yeah. Uh, like he quarantined and he was, he was kind of just this, like, um, I think he was like a kind of like a low, lowly, like kind of unknown, like newspaper writer or something like that. And in his quarantine, because he was so bored, uh, he ended up writing like like 90 essays or something. And he became like one of England's like most prominent essayists of the time and like became like famous and wealthy off of it. Oh, wow. <laughs> so like it's literally like the guy's entire life changed because he was bored. <laughs> I don't know. It's, that's just really amusing to me. Yeah. Um, so it, it really does go to show you that like the right circumstances um, can like kind of totally change your creative process or really anything about your life. Yeah. And I think that there are, as, as you just listed a bunch of examples, like there are writers who have like noticed that's that about themselves and go out of their way to recreate whatever environment like best suits them. So like, as you said, there are people who handwrite, uh, Stephen King writes on a 
freaking typewriter. Yeah. Uh, George R. R. Martin writes on like a DOS machine from yeah. like 1981 or something. Yeah. Something so it's like, like that. yeah. Uh, and, and to be perfectly honest, I'm sure that there are people who out there who write on modern computers. And I do this sometimes, like literally turn off the Wi Fi or unplug the Ethernet cable or whatever. Um, so it's like, it can really be any level of technology. It's not like everybody needs to return to like carving stuff into stone tablets or whatever, but sometimes, yeah, cutting yourself off from distractions is just um, weirdly enough, cutting yourself off in a way from inspirations is actually the most inspiring thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's definitely very paradoxical, but I think it goes along with the idea that limitations sometimes are what makes something cool. You know, like how a lot of people say old school movies were better because they were limited in what they could do, things like oh, that. Oh yeah, I say that all the time. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm not necess- I'm not I didn't go to film school, so who knows? But I say that all the time. Is like limitations are in almost the entire point of art. Yeah, um, but yeah, Just, no, exactly. Yeah. That's a that's a good point. Is like it's it's sort of like a at least in these days. I mean, it wasn't in the old days. It was kind of an innate. Um, it was an innate limitation of the technology in the time. But like nowadays, self-imposed limitations are kind of like a, a good thing often. I would certainly say so. And I actually, you see it in music too. You brought up music there for a second, I think. Yep. And uh, I, I actually stumbled upon a YouTube video the other day of somebody analyzing all the number one songs of every year from like 1962 all the way up until now, something like that. Oh, actually, no, I think it was even further back. I think he did from like 1940 up until now. But um, one interesting thing that he noted was that in the 2000s, so from the year 2000 to 2009, there was like a technology boom in the music industry. So everything just became like crazy synth pop where it was like layers and layers of synths everywhere. That was like during like the whole EDM boom and everything yeah, I like kinda that. that. Yeah. And then in the 2010s, it flipped to where like, you know, things were still it wasn't like rock came back or anything like that. But there, there was like a sudden new minimalist approach, less is more approach to like pop and EDM and stuff like that. Uh, Lots of like acoustic takes and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Or like even just using like one layer of synth instead of multiple, just a lot of retro stuff. Like you don't even need to look any further than uh, that weekend song. The, the one that was really big Blinding last year. Or whatever, that, yeah. 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 That one it's, it sounds straight out of the eighties and it was intentionally designed to be that way. Cause he wanted to do a, a less is more approach and like limit himself to like 80s synth and 80s tech and stuff like that and i mean it worked out for him because he made millions of dollars so it's a super it's a a super good song uh very popular and also i think that there's something weird about i don't know i mean maybe this is me being an optimist because sometimes i notice at least with movies and tv shows people seem to be get get completely fooled by like wow picture on screen is really pretty but um, I think there's something weird in the human brain that is like it likes simplicity. Um, yeah, it, it at least with music. I mean, I can't tell you how many times um, it's like you, people will get into like literally just a person like playing a guitar and singing. And like sometimes in a way that's like more engaging than like the most highly developed and like uh produced like pop song i don't know there's something um i mean obviously you could make the point that it's like um 
more raw, more down to earth, more emotional or whatever. Typically, uh-huh. if you're listening to like a, a person just singing and playing a guitar, they're probably like there performing for you or whatever. So there's like an in-person element. Mm-hmm. But I think there's also just something in the in the human brain where it's just like it it resonates a little bit more or like you're able to focus on it more because it's not so there's not so many distracting elements to it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that there's I think that there's a lot of merit to things being kind of like self-imposed limitations or like, as you just said, like a less is more attitude towards things. Yeah. And I think it especially rings true for nowadays because our attention spans are declining rapidly as is. So we oh, kind of yeah, need a... that less is more thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a, a sad one. The yeah, um, something I actually think that uh, you brought up to me in a in a text that I've been thinking about more and more um, was that you were you like said you talked about like um, like living like taking things like a day at a time. Yeah, um, and I actually was thinking that uh, that that would that's an an interesting idea if you like apply it to writing is like focusing on only projects that you can actually like write in a day yeah and so for me sometimes writing in a day means that i will literally write for like 16 hours in the day and like fifteen thousand words or something like that but sometimes mm-hmm. writing something in a day for me if i'm not in that like crazy writing mode means that i'll write like 500 words but it is kind of nice to set out the day with like a goal that doesn't go beyond the day because like at least for me when things go i don't know if it's specifically be like a day like i guess it could be longer but i think a day is just like a such a simple like kind of like beautiful time that like weeks are kind of more abstract and stuff so let's focus on like a day for this um i think once a task kind of goes beyond a day for me it's almost like it becomes kind of like fake or like abstract and like i'm way more likely to procrastinate um so or like i'm way more likely to well i guess that is procrastination i was gonna say like sit there and go like uh well like ideas will come to me or whatever Mm. but like if i wake up in the morning and i'm like i want to write this story or whatever and i have today to do it it's like there's like um it's a it's another like limitation it's like there's almost like a pressure there that like gives the task purpose um like can i get this done today rather than just like can i get this done or like i want to write this book or whatever it's like can i get this done today and i think that maybe that would be an interesting experiment to do is like try to only write things that you can write in a day whether that be a seven thousand word short story or like a literal like 200 word flash fiction piece um i think it would be an interesting thing to try yeah, I mean, I was certainly doing it when I wrote my first book specifically because those were all flash fiction stories. So I'm pretty sure each of those were written in a day. And uh, that seemed to be the book between the two that I put out that got the more response from people, actually. So, Oh, there I you go. Yeah, I, I don't know if people related to that, at least subconsciously in some way, like the intensity of it or something. I don't know. Well, it also kind of helps is um, like what you were bringing up with people's like attention spans. Oh, yeah, that too. Uh 
like reading it in a day. Yeah, exactly. It's like, don't get me wrong. I'm if I'm really into a book, I'll become like a voracious reader and like I'll read a 400 page book in like two days or whatever. But that's only if the thing like really, really grabs my attention. Ideally, I like to find places in books where it's like, I'm going to read this part today and then I'm going to maybe come back to it tomorrow, maybe come back to it the day after. But I want to get this part done today and then I'll figure out what I want to do going forward. And so like it's sort of um, like it took me a day to write this. You should be able to read it in a day because reading is a lot faster than writing. So it's like, uh, or like you should be able to read it in an hour or two or something like that. Yeah, it's um, like Edgar Allan Poe idea of like the best stories are the ones you could read in one sitting. Kind of yeah, thing. exactly. Yeah. Like one sitting sort of thing is like maybe maybe one sitting for a person on like a rainy Sunday is the whole day. Who knows? But one sitting can also be an hour, can also be two hours or whatever. Yeah, it's like it it. it does feel like maybe writing in those shorter time frames with sort of like a lower expectation of reader engagement might actually be a, a more uh, interesting or like gripping way to write because you might get more people who are willing to sit down with something for an hour and a half or something rather than a person who has the like by opening the first page of your book is like signing on for a 200 page 250 page novel that they'll have to read over the course of like five, six, seven days. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that, I think that the, the, this is where my brain went all because you said like, uh, take things one day at a time, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, I don't know. I think that that would be like a fun way to write. Yeah, no, I would certainly say so. And that was kind of also part of what I was trying to get back to now. So in a way with like the stuff I'm trying to write now, it is almost like a get back to my roots sort of thing. But um, that kind of uh, brings up another interesting topic, which is that before this, like as I was going through my writer's block, I was trying to make the jump from short stories to novellas and stuff like that, you know, trying to write like bigger stuff and sort of build closer to the idea of writing like an actual book or like what people define a book as. And every time I try it over the years, it always like collapses in on itself. And I don't know if that's happened to you as well. Like when you try to write something that's actually like a long piece of work, if it just dissolves, you know, it just kind of dies out as you're writing it. But it certainly happens to me. And I think part of it is also knowing in the back of my mind that people don't even have the attention span to read something big anymore. So why go through the trouble of writing something big? So I, I will say this. Um, the only thing that I've written that is like, a coherent like long like novel format thing uh-huh. is like i think i've told you about this is like a free writing project that i have that's it's like uh, i'm i i cringe to, to describe it as fan fiction but if somebody had to, if i had to put a word to it it would be fan fiction and mm-hmm. basically what it, it is is that i take i take characters and story beats and like a world from something that I've read or played or watched and I throw them all together and I roll with that. Um, so like, you know, Iron Man could be talking to Neo from the matrix or whatever, just as an example, mm-hmm. but, uh, and they could be doing this in, I don't know, like the world of halo, the video game or something. Like it is. I don't know. Mm. Th- th- just using that as an example. Yep. But, um, 
and what I notice about that is that the reason that it's so easy for me to continue writing it because at this point like through free writing stuff it's ended up being like a thousand pages long or something like that in a word doc so it's like it's very easy for me to continue writing it and the reason is is that it's there's no there's no pressure for it for each time i come back to it there's no pressure for it to line up perfectly with the previous part that I wrote and there's no pressure to make it build towards a future part. Um, I can write the part that I'm writing. Re- Don't get me wrong. I put references to things that have happened and I do like to do like goofy foreshadowing things. If I have an idea, it's like, Oh, I want that to eventually happen. So I'll put uh-huh. in a line here. That's a foreshadowing thing or whatever, but it's like, I'm not trying to set up some sort of grand saga or anything. It's like, I, I have a fun idea. I write it. Maybe it ends up being really long. Maybe it ends up being really short. Um, I'm not too worried about what happened before. If I have some funny references to make, I will do that. I'm not too worried what comes after this. If I find a funny foreshadowing thing to do, I'll do that. And I think that that just makes the writing process so um, relaxing and enjoyable and generally low stress um, that uh, it doesn't ever dissolve because there's no real way for it to dissolve because it's already dissolved. It's already a bunch of individual pieces. Um, and I guess that that leads me to, uh, I, yeah, I think that kind of just writing a series of short stories that all loosely connect maybe, and maybe yeah. have a couple of one-off re- referential lines to each other that maybe set up some sort of chronology to them um, is like, it's kind of the thing that I want to do right now. And I also think that it's something that you would, um, would work really well for your writing style, given the things that you've already put out there, like a flash fiction, uh, compilation, whatnot. Right. It's like make a bunch of flash fiction. That's specifically set in the same world and maybe not even in the same time in that world, but in the same world. Yeah. And like, see where that takes you because, if you have like say you have like 50 flash fiction ideas or like a hundred flash fiction ideas that are all kind of like you can finagle them so that they're set in the same world it's like you're kind of approaching like a like a novella already there so it's like yeah yeah like, and they actually have a term for that it's called novella in flash it's basically what you just described and i really yeah, do you've think, told me about that before yeah yeah and i really do think that that is the future of long-form fiction uh with the way people digest things now i really do think that that's like where it's all going and uh go ahead oh i was just going to say uh, really quickly for anybody who knows like uh, whoever for anybody who's listened to the the previous Batman episode where I wouldn't every sentence I said began within the Batman animated series um like that is what animated series are I was just about to say that's episodic television and stuff yep, like that exactly yeah, exactly which and, like, I think, think of how great yeah. those shows are oh like, yeah yeah they're awesome yeah and I've talked about before how you know, like, I guess my sort of infamous opinion that I think even stuff like Star Wars should have strived to have been more loose and episodic like that from the very beginning, you know, and it would have benefited stuff like that. Because it also allows for, like, more longevity, I guess, you know, like when you uh, when you have just a bunch of individual stories that can connect but don't necessarily need to, I guess, and that they sort of stand on their own. Yeah, exactly. But... Like, um, 
uh, one of my favorite things about specifically the Batman animated series mm-hmm. is that every character, if you really think about the show as a whole, kind of, well, not, maybe not every character, but like most characters have a bit of like a character arc to them. But it's spread across like 80, 22 minute episodes. And it's like, that's kind of cool when you think about it, that like these characters in any given episode, you won't notice that they've changed. But if you look at the series as a whole, and especially if you like binge watch the series, you'll be like, oh, interesting. Like Poison Ivy is a lot less like trying to take over the world evil than she was in the previous episode. She's like trying to like kind of like get away from things and calm down now. It's like, it's kind of cool to see that evolution, but those episodes work entirely on their own as well. Um, so it's it's neat how these like short stories, like essentially novellas and Flash, they don't necessarily lose their overarching meaning just inherently by being a pile of independent stories. It really has to do with the nature but but then having an overarching story isn't required either it really just has to do with the nature of the stories you come up with yeah and it also allows more freedom for you as the author where like you don't have to write everything in order and stuff like that yeah absolutely and like if if you do write something that let's say you're using the same character over five different flash fiction pieces and you you think about it, it's like, oh, well, what if this happened to that character? And you write one flash fiction piece. And they're like, oh, well, what if this happened to that character? And you write another one. And then you go, um, what if this third thing happened to them? But then you realize it's like, well, actually, that kind of makes sense more sense if that happened to them first. You can put that first or you can leave it out of order if you want, like or out of quote unquote order if you want, because there doesn't need to be an order to it. Right, right. It's uh it's it's pretty interesting. I think that it's a very like freeing um, form. The thing that I just like about it the most is that it can have an overarching thing, or it can just be a compilation. I don't know. Yeah. It, to me, that's really cool. To me, that like you can almost uh, and different people may get different things out of it. Like it's not like, like it even has to be quote unquote. There's a true order to it. Like somebody right. may come along and be like. Oh, wasn't it really interesting how the character changed over the course of the series? Like they did this first and then this happened to them and they felt like this in the third one. And it's like another person might be like, oh, wow, I just thought that that is like three different days in their life or something like that. They, it's, it's really neat how there's um, there's so much room for interpretation with that. Setup. Oh, yeah. I think another show that does that brilliantly is actually uh, the Clone Wars. Uh, sorry to keep bringing up Star Wars, but <laughs> I, I, I do think the Clone Wars does this well because of the fact that it's so like anthological and like you could just pick apart episodes and rearrange them in almost like any order you want. You want. There's actually like custom character arcs like you could find on the internet and stuff of people t- saying things like, "I think Ahsoka's character development works better when you watch all of her episodes in this order," you know, and they then they explain why and stuff like that and. Uh, it's pretty fascinating. It's like it makes the show interactive in a way. Well, yeah, uh, that's actually an interesting thing because um, you you got me into watching the uh, the Clone Wars show, and um, I liked it a lot more than what I thought I was going to. Mm. Um, and what is really interesting is that uh, Ahsoka is a perfect example. She's like a totally different character 
when she is introduced than when she ends yeah the show. like vastly different yeah like, polar opposite. She's, she's basically not even the same character right but like that's really cool but it's also neat how someone could watch any given episode of that show like it just popped up on tv and in that episode, they would probably be able to gather who Ahsoka is and what she's about at that phase in her life. Right. And be like, and then that episode could turn off and they would be like, well, personally, if it's an early episode, they would probably be like, wow, Ahsoka's really annoying. <laughs> but if it's like a later episode or like a middle of the show episode, they'd be like, wow, Ahsoka's really cool or whatever. Yeah. Or Ahsoka's really depressed. Um, Especially like, at the end. Yeah. <laughs> uh but like it's it's neat how um each of those things is just like standalone but as you said it's there's also this weird interactivity to it where it's like oh well what if this happened to her first or you showed this happened to her first and then flash back or flash forward to this, right and it then totally blah, blah, blah. changes the flavor yeah exactly so it's pretty cool uh, uh i agree with you that um I don't know. Personally, I think that animated stuff is really underrated. I think that um, I always hate the phrase like bring X to life because it's like, I don't know. I think that the animations were alive enough. Um, like anytime, you know, that they make like a live action thing of an animated series or like an animated movie or a video game. It's like these characters being brought to life. It's like they were alive in the animation. Leave them alone. Yeah. Um, but that's another entirely different topic but like oh yeah uh i i think that it's really cool that that's basically unique to animation i think that there's a i think you end up having a problem when it's live action that there's yeah like because people age in real life and it becomes very noticeable and you can only get away with it for so long you know and it, the more like a certain actor ages the less flexibility you have I mean, you could eventually recast them, but then that's going to create a disconnect with your audience. And to be fair, like in animation, sometimes voice actors get recast, but it's a little easier to replicate whatever the original voice actor was doing than it is with live action. Because you have to, when, you, when you're talking about recasting someone in live action, you have to find someone who looks kind of like the original person, sounds kind of like the original person, acts kind of like the original person, you know, without seeming like a total ripoff of the original person. So, you know, it's... Uh, it's a crapshoot, <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. I totally yeah. agree. Like, some shows, it kind of, um, like, it works for, like, Star Trek. Um, and obviously, that kind of all happened within, like, a few years. Like, they filmed all of that show, like, um, The Next Generation and the original series. And all those series, they filmed within, like, what, five to ten years of each other. So, sometimes mm. people aged and sometimes they didn't. I don't know. Uh, um, Jean-Luc Picard is just immortal he always looks the same um <laughs> that's patrick stewart for you yep but uh, patrick stewart has like looked like he's a 65 year old man since he was like 35 <laughs> and he also still looks like a 65 year old man yeah. but uh some people are just timeless like that but like yeah so sometimes you can get away with it in live action but it's way more reliable in animation of course yeah of course, then you get the downside of that, which is where you get shows like The Simpsons that just go on forever when they shouldn't. But that's well, a whole see, other that's works. actually something that I did want to did want to bring up as like a a caveat to uh -huh. this is that personally, I am a huge, huge 
anti fan. I don't know of things that just keep going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's kind of the thing is like this, this form of storytelling can like be tempting, I think to make it like quote unquote endless. But I would say that you really don't want to make it endless. Yeah. You don't it, it, overstaying your welcome is way worse than understaying your welcome. Oh yeah. Uh, and I think that a perfect example, as I will probably somehow end up shoehorning into 10 more of our conversations is the Batman <laughs> animated series. <laughs> that show does not overstay its welcome whatsoever. Yeah. Well, and I, sure. It did develop like a long lasting cult following for only being like four seasons or whatever. Right? Exactly. Like yeah. you watch it and it ends and if anything, I would say that it's closer to understaying it's welcome. But yeah. I generally think it's almost like the perfect length. There, Maybe I could use like five more episodes to finish off a couple of the characters or whatever. Uh-huh. But it's basically the perfect length. Um, uh, this is kind of a different example because I think only really the this, this form of storytelling only really applies to the first season of Avatar The Last Airbender. Um the first season of Avatar The Last Airbender is kind of like a collection of short stories, whereas in the second season and the third season, it becomes more about the overarching plot. Mm. Um, but that show did not overstay its welcome at all. Um, yeah. it's, it's the perfect length, I would say. Yeah. Um, I mean, I haven't and, seen it, but from what I know about it, I would say so, yeah. 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 Um, and I think when I watched the Clone Wars show, I wasn't watching every episode so maybe if I did watch every episode, I would feel like it's a little long in the tooth. But I felt like of the the, the percentage that I watched, which was probably about like 75% of it, uh, I felt like that was a pretty pretty good length for it. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about that one because I know that before the Disney sale, Lucas wanted the show to go on like eight or nine seasons. So it got cut a little short. And honestly, I think it could have used one more season because there were some loose ends that it never got to tie up, like with Asajj Ventress and Lux. That's true. And yeah. stuff like that. That yeah. is true. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, like, uh, I think that I think that there was maybe enough, like, fluff in there that I ignored mm-hmm. that I didn't like that that it's almost like my it's almost like if you replace that fluff or some of that fluff with like tying up of Saj Ventress it would be like the perfect length but maybe as it is it kind of understated its welcome yeah um, well to be fair they've been taking a lot of those unfinished arcs from the clone wars and repurposing them into other projects anyways like oh, so some, that's cool, yeah. yeah yeah some stuff got carried over to rebels and things like that so maybe like everything happens for a reason you know yeah and like again as we said like a moment ago it's like it's better to understay your welcome than overstay your welcome yeah yeah if there I, had been like 13 seasons of the clone war show yeah, I, I probably like would have groaned be... <laughs> yeah yeah i feel like a lot of people would look on it less favorably yeah whereas the fact that it let it leaves you wanting more if anything is like a good sign so, yeah I hate to use the Batman cliche, but it's the whole you either die a hero or live long enough to become the villain thing. Uh, hey, hey, whoa, whoa. The new Batman cliche is is wearing goth makeup and listening to Nirvana. We don't yes, talk about we don't true. talk about heroes and villains anymore. That we talk true. about we talk about something being in the way. <laughs> Underneath a bridge. <laughs> yes. The it's okay to eat fish because they don't have feeling. Uh yeah. Kurt Cobain is a weird lyricist, man. Yeah. Um, anyway, anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I agree with this whole philosophy of like novella and flash. Yeah, you, yeah. Just out of curiosity, do you think like 
I know that you um you you like made like a, a like a short story I guess kind of like approaching a short novella length thing that was like next star over but yep. that was like very linear like each cha- each chapter wasn't like its own story it was like a very linear like literally x event happens before y event y ab- happened yeah event i'm glad you brought that up i was thinking about that just now so to give the audience uh, some context uh one of my short stories from my book that I put out back in October, one of the short stories was called Next Star Over. And about a month or two ago, I took that short story, which was only like a thousand words in, in the book, and I expanded on it into like a 10,000 word piece of fiction Something somewhere like that, around yeah. there. Yeah. So and uh, Tom read that. And uh, so that's what we're talking about. But you are right that I was trying to go for the whole like novella and flash thing. But I was still I still wasn't quite getting there because, like you said, it was still very linear at the end of the day. We're like one chapter took place right after the next one and so on and so forth. Uh, I have thought about trying to take that story and revising it in ways. And, and part of what we were talking about here has been giving me ideas of like how I can maybe make it a little less uh, linear and kind of leapfrog it because that uh, the, I think the person who coined the term novella and flash uh, which was like 10 or 15 years ago, even said that they looked at it like leapfrogging rather than going down a straight road. You know, you uh, with every scene, it's like you come in late and you leave early, which I think oh, goes I along with like what that. you said. Yeah, I like yeah. I, I, think it's a good, I think it's a good mindset that sort of come in late and leave the party early is a good mindset for like every, not only every series you write, every story you write, every scene you write, just everything you write. You have to come in with that come in late, leave in early mentality. Yeah. Yeah, because that's a that's a good way to like grab somebody's attention and then also leave them wanting more. More, exactly. Yeah, because yeah, because I was going to say like you have a at least at least from my perspective, you have like a a solid premise for something that could be like a a novella in Flash or like it, let's just use a broad series like like an animated series thing like mm. um you like person goes on x adventure on x planet or whatever person goes on y adventure on y planet or whatever and it's like you have a good setup there so maybe yeah being less attached to like the the do it uh scene a scene b scene c scene d like and instead it's like figure out what what this person's like career would look like and just take little snippets from each segment or whatever and obviously you don't need to come up with that all in advance you might just discover it as you go but yeah i think that i think that it's a good it's a good like premise for that so maybe that's that should be your your project is trying to convert that into like a true novella and flash thing yeah well now i gotta do it because we're talking about it here so yeah true this is some sort of like um uh like commit this is this is you imposing limitations on yourself since we're having this conversation you're like awkwardly forcing yourself to do it because now it's like oh well i'm gonna look stupid if i don't do it now yeah exactly no but yeah i see that as a good thing though yeah no i mean it's there's like uh like finding ways to hold yourself accountable is always a good thing like if yeah saying something in this conversation makes you feel compelled to do it more power to you because it's like maybe you weren't going to do it otherwise so it's cool that now you have a reason to well i'll admit there was a point where i I was thinking about canning it but i'm but uh i'm glad that you've kind of like expressed enthusiasm for it because it means that there might be something there even if it's like i only take very small bits and pieces of the draft that you read and like rebuild it from there you know at least that's still something 
yeah exactly and like obviously you always have that initial short story because that's already out there in the world right right, right. um so like you'll kind of always have that as like the first stepping stone so if you want to like you can always try leapfrogging to different points from that initial stepping stone right right exactly like maybe you only leapfrog like a couple scenes ahead or maybe you leapfrog an entire character arc or whatever ahead but you can yeah. always have that initial jumping point right yeah and i mean i'm i'd be pretty interested to see like uh, maybe i should look up like examples of novella and flash but i mean other than like the batman animated like animated series that i've watched i actually don't i don't think i've ever read an example of novella and flash is what i should say um so i would be curious to see it actually like delivered to me whether it's whether i look one up later today and and read it or whatever or it's something that you write and i'm like oh so this is what novella and flash is it oh no it just sounds like a really engaging piece i guess yeah yeah no i definitely agree and to be fair like there's not many examples of it out there in the world right now because this is we're talking about a term that was only coined in the year 2008 which in like the timeline of the human history is still very recent so this is kind of like uh we're on the precipice of uh, sort of a new way of looking at things i would say but um there are some novella and flash out there that are have been like award-winning and things like that uh I heard about one that's like about a car that gets stolen and it keeps getting stolen by different people all across the country. And apparently that one's really cool. And literally the only plot device stringing all the stories together is the car. Oh, that's pretty cool. Neat. Yeah. Yeah. So just a very loose way of looking at things. But that seems to be more or less the examples of like Novella and Flash. But like what I'm going for is like Novella and Flash, but like as a space opera, which I honestly don't even know if that's ever been done before, but first time for everything i guess well it has it's called star it's called star wars <laughs> that's right uh, star wars the clone wars <laughs> yeah it's called star wars the clone wars i said star trek i mean there's tons of examples battle star that, trek, that huh? is true uh, yeah 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 uh, like uh it's been done actually yeah now that i think about it it has been done even if it hasn't been called novella and flash because like there's even like uh like uh i know in the world of star wars there's like short story collections that they call from a certain point of view and it's like a bunch of short stories that are set in the Star Wars universe that are literally like from different characters' points of view. Like they have one for A New Hope and it's like a whole bunch of mini stories that take place during the time span of the movie A New Hope. Uh, oh, that's neat. Yeah, there's like one where it's like during the time span where Luke goes to bury his aunt and uncle, Obi-Wan is off to the side talking to Qui-Gon's ghost. So it's like... Uh, it happened in A New Hope. You just didn't see it until this short story, you know, and it's like a whole book of stories like that. And they, I know they already have one for New Hope and they have one for Empire and they're putting one out next year for Return of the Jedi. I'm pretty sure because next year is uh, Return of the Jedi's 40, 40th anniversary. Yeah. So I don't know if they'll eventually do that for like the other movies as well. But um, but I guess that's sort of more or less also kind of a novel and flash because it's the same sort of mindset of like a bunch of different stories that are loosely connected together, but not entirely connected together. So, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, huh. that's pretty cool. Yeah, it um, it just sounds like a very promising structure to a story. And yeah. also something that I feel like is kind of um, um, that could kind of be cool about it. I mean, this is this is totally theorizing like not saying that you you or even i would want to do this but it's it just sounds like something that somebody could do if they wanted to and i think feel like it would be pretty neat is like have a novella in flash like 
thing that's that maybe the common element between them is like a single character and then like have after that whole novella in flash and like all that like exposure to that character or whatever like you like the person writes like a novel about that character and then like they do another novella in flash about that character that's like their life in the wake of the events of that novel and then they do another novel after that and like you see where i'm going with that is like it's almost like it's almost like a series of novellas like it's almost like if you watched a bunch of episodes of a show and then there was like a movie that yeah which included. They, to be fair they do do that sometimes like sometimes the season finale of a show is like twice as long as a regular episode because exactly it's a bigger, exactly yeah it's a bigger event yeah and it's like it i can almost imagine that that would work pretty well in writing because it's like you could just skip the novels if you wanted or you could skip the novellas in flash but like if you read them all like it would be interesting to see how like well they would go together but also ignore each other if that makes sense yeah and to be fair there are some authors that i'm pretty sure brandon sanderson's doing something like that with this big stormlight project where like he obviously has the big books that are like the huge 1500 word doorstoppers but then he's also been releasing novellas that take place in between the books that like they're not required reading but they help with the world building and you could get them like exclusively from his website and stuff like that or maybe they also sell them at bookstores i'm not sure but that's pretty cool yeah exactly like that i mean yeah maybe with fewer books though yeah yeah that guy he he goes big <laughs> that's he reaches for the stars i guess you got to give him credit for that uh but. yeah yeah um, maybe maybe almost he probably wants to also write a book for every star in this oh yeah <laughs> but yeah i i look at his books on the bookshelf store you know like on the on the shelf in the store and i'm just like nope just because of the sheer size of them that i get like intimidated but... well I, for me it's not even necessarily the size it's the number of them it's like it, there's yeah. so many yeah, and apparently they are very dense because I, I think I heard uh, Stormlight, the first book, it, it isn't until like chapter three or four when the story actually gets started. The first like two or three chapters are just like the world building. <laughs> like chapter Ugh. chapter one is like, this is how the universe started. And chapter two is like, this is how the planet that the story takes place on started. Like that kind of thing. I think that's what I heard. That's too much. At least Tolkien like had the audacity to take all that shit and mostly move it to a separate book onto itself. Yeah, uh, and he was just like he was like, "This is not required reading, but you won't understand anything if you don't read it." But it's yeah. actually not true. It's a lot of the stuff in Lord of the Rings is pretty decently self-contained. So. Yeah, and it also helps that like the Return of the King in particular, the very end of it has the bullet points, right? The that's true. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, but yeah, I definitely think that uh, the whole novella and flash thing is a good way. Another thing is that it also does kind of like connect to real life in a way because real life doesn't really work the way like a lot of hero journey stories do. I know it's all a matter of perspective, but like most people, if you ask them like about major events in their life, they're they're not going to say they had like one big massive adventure that changed their whole personality. It's more like lots of little things happen to you Adding up, scattered yeah. about over yeah exactly that all coalesced into something yeah well and so. also like a good way a good thing to think about is like yeah f- exactly like think about the way people describe um like if you said it's like what are the uh what what are like the the big moments in your life of the last five years or whatever 
let's just take like a hypothetical person where it's like, oh, well, like I graduated college. Um, like I started my first job, like the, the first day of my first job. I remember that really clearly. Um, I remember this like big presentation I gave at work where that like led to a promotion or something like that. Like I remember like meeting my fiance or whatever, like they're engaged yeah. or whatever. Like they would remember, they would like describe these events that you can kind of imagine being told in like, not in like novels, but in like short stories or like flash fiction length. Right. And like, but if they, if they recited, if the, if you asked them to write out those events, they wouldn't necessarily be the exact same person from one story to the other, because things have happened in between that maybe they don't even remember that they happened, but they did change them. And they're like, Oh, well, like you would notice that they their perception of themselves would change subconsciously over time and that's really what we're describing here in a novella and flash but like you would never hear a person describe like the hero's journey in their life like they would never say it's like well this is like the call to action yeah and this is like I met my mentor. Fig- I mean, maybe people <laughs> would say that they met their mentor figure or whatever, but like the exact moments, like this is when I rejected this. And yeah. it's like, the, the, this is my apotheosis. Or, yeah. This is my apotheosis. Like life doesn't work that way. There can be, there can be elements of that in life, but it, it like somebody wouldn't like literally list out like whatever the 12 steps to the, the hero's journey are to you when they if you ask them to like if you asked a 75 year old man hey describe the key moments of your life they would not describe the hero's journey they would describe a very very long flash fiction novel (laughs) yeah pretty much i think that like the whole hero's journey idea has its place in history and and even still has its place in the future you know what i mean like it'll still be a valuable formula or tool, I should say, to use for storytellers in years to come. But I do think it, it is a little bit dated in a sense where, like, it is meant to echo certain patterns of life. Because it is true, we do have calls to adventure and meeting mentors and stuff. But, like, it, it does it in a way where it's a little bit uh, boxed in because it's it's trying to take all those things and, like, put them together into, like, something that takes place over a continuous, like, one scene leads directly to the next type of thing. And that's the part where there's a disconnect between fiction and real life. You know, real life doesn't work that way. where like one moment leads directly to another. And that's where this sort of newer way of thinking this, you know, the novella and flash way of thinking as we've been calling it does kind of connect to real life better, but still maintaining those aspects of the hero's journey. If it wants to, you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, exactly. Like you can take specific uh, steps in the hero's journey and turn them. I mean, they ha- it happens all the time in normal novels. Turn them into a chapter when a- and a chapter yeah, is yeah. really just a short story, right? Um, or depending on its length, it might even be what you would call flash fiction if it's a very short chapter. Right. But like, you can take any of that stuff and like make in each individual step like its own kind of like separate flash fiction story. And that's yeah, that's what we're talking about with novella and flash. And uh, just wanted to echo your sentiment. Totally agree that the hero's journey has its place. Um, it's a great tool. It's a great way to look at uh, life in many ways. It, mm. It's really interesting to assign meaning to different events in life like that. 
Um, but yeah, I think that sometimes it can get a little clunky when you need to draw the lines between each scene. Yeah. And we see that a lot in like movies now, like that are kind of feeling very clunky and vanilla, even if they are like following the hero's journey to a T or you can make the argument that they are, you know, something is still just sorely missing, you know? Uh, yeah, totally. It's, um, sometimes it's a little boring like when you watch yeah. a movie and it's just like if they don't find a good way to like dress it up you're kind of just like oh here's the call to action oh here's the mentor figure oh here's them rejecting oh here's the apotheosis like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. like here's them really... crossing the threshold yeah <laughs> yeah it's like it's not necessarily bad but it does make you feel like uh you've watched the same thing before and that's kind of because you have um but yeah i think that it's it's a lot easier to keep you on your toes when things are like more bite-sized and isolated because you're not your your brain isn't going to be able to default to drawing this like mental map that it's seen a dozen times before or whatever like it's going to it will probably end up like what we said with like uh entering the scene late and leaving it early it'll kind of be thrown into the mix of things not fully aware of what's going on and then it'll end and you'll be left wanting more rather than being like oh i know what's going to happen in 10 minutes oh i know what's going to happen in 30 minutes oh well i know i know what the ending of this movie is and i've only watched the first 10 minutes of it. yeah <laughs> so yeah and that does seem to be happening a lot more and more uh yeah yeah, I agree, especially especially with things that are like very cookie cutter, like um, like you know, Marvel movies mm-hmm. where they kind of end up being like a bit of the same thing over and over again. Is like, you know, you, you know, you know, uh, and it's not even just like a you know, Spider Man's gonna win. It's like you even kind of just like know exactly how Spider Man's gonna win and the beats of Spider Man winning. Um, yeah. And I, I think it's interesting that you bring the MCU up because the few times it tries to be different, it collapses in on itself like the Eternals. But like somebody made uh, I saw a YouTube video that kind of made a good point that like a lot of not all, but a lot of that movie's problems, Eternals, I mean, uh, would be resolved if it just did not take place in the MCU. Because like, for instance, the Eternals movie, the whole story uh, is built around like these world ending stakes where there's like a giant robot baby growing inside the earth. I know we've talked about this ad nauseum, but yep. uh, uh, you know, like in the back of your mind, you just know like, okay, well they're going to save the earth because like, they're not going to blow up the earth where characters like Spider-Man and Scarlet, Witch exist, you know what I mean? And if they did, it's not going to happen to those characters off screen in another movie, you know? So it's like, that's kind of like where it becomes kneecapped. That's getting a little off topic, but I guess that's just sort of highlighting where a cinematic universe could actually be a disadvantage rather than an advantage. But um, yeah, no, I I I agree with I I, I agree with that in general. Like um, um, the well, and that's kind of like the part of the idea of like making sure not to like overstay your welcome and be endless storytelling yeah. is um, at a certain point if you just keep writing you're probably actually going to end up running across a situation where it's like you've almost indirectly already handled this problem before. Yeah. And then it's like going to be for the, for the reader or the watcher, it's going to be like, wait, why do they have to deal with this again? And like, why isn't Spider-Man dealing with 
with it this time if he dealt with it last time? Why are yep. these new people dealing with it? And um, it's it's just kind of uh, immersion breaking, I guess. It, it, like it, it sort of ends up like the whole point of like a cinematic universe or like this thing that's very interconnected is for it to the appeal of it is that it has this overarching logic to it but then that overarching logic like ceases to make sense because it's like why isn't spider-man dealing with this he did dealt with it last time or whatever yeah and then it ends up breaking all of the logic because it's like wait hold on none of this means anything these people are like sometimes they're siloed and sometimes they're not like you know it, it just it just collapses as you've pointed out right yeah but um i don't I don't know. Fortunately, I don't think with you or I that we have any aspirations to write something so large that it would end up, you know, being um, like being collapsing. Yeah. Yeah. Like being overstaying its welcome and like ending up like breaking its own internal logic. Mm-hmm. I think that for you and I, we have much smaller aspirations. And at least for me, uh, I think that it's pretty fair to say that I should focus on even putting one thing out into the world before I start worrying about, Oh no, have I put too many things out into the world? Mm. So um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it, I don't think it's really a, a threat for us, but it is definitely something we've discussed uh, in other episodes. Yeah. For and sure. we'll probably discuss in future episodes. <laughs> Most likely if we ever get around to shitting on DC for real, probably. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe eventually. Yeah. I have not seen many of those movies, but yeah, Ken has seen them all. I think if uh, we wanted to wrangle him back into our craziness again, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> if he wants to, I, I enjoy having Ken around. Yeah, um, yeah. I have to ask him at some point. Yeah, but yeah, um, I don't know. Is there is there anything? Uh, I know that I know that we kind of floated the idea of canceling uh, the DC EU episode and making this writers' workshop because we were both. Um, we were both discussing our various hangups on our creative projects. Um, uh, I, I feel like I've enjoyed the conversation and have benefited from it because I, I think it was like months ago that we first discussed the idea of like novella and flash. And actually I kind of forgot about it since then, but Mm. um, I'm glad to have been refreshed on it. Uh, Is there any, is there anything else that you wanted to, to discuss in your own creative stuff? Uh, no, I think I, I got a lot of good takeaways out of this. So I definitely really appreciate it. And yeah, I know we had discussed that a while ago and, and, uh, I know we had also discussed the idea of doing an episode like this a while ago. So I'm glad we gave it a try just for the sake of like changing things up. And, you know, it's still kind of mostly fit with like what we're all about. We discussed a lot of different kinds of movies and TV. I think this is going to be a running joke where I always talk about Star Wars and you always talk about Batman, the animated series, (laughs) probably (laughs) everything we do. Yeah, I, it was really funny in the last episode because i mean i was just drawing direct comparisons between a batman property and another batman property but i mean that 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 makes sense but so, it was just know, really yeah. funny because it was like every sentence i was like you know in the batman animated series just, i mean to be fair i i don't i'm not as familiar with that show as you are but i even i from the bits and pieces of it i've seen i even i consider that to be like the definitive version of batman and i think most other people do too so uh yeah, I mean for anybody who who hasn't watched it I would certainly recommend it because I think that most people who watch it come away thinking like oh yeah that's basically exactly what Batman should be. So yeah, and I think they're getting closer to it. I know you you've uh, finally got a chance to see the new movie. Did you uh, and you liked it for the most part from what I gather. Uh, yeah, no, I thought it I thought it was really good. Uh I um 
I, I think that you said this in our episode, but like, I don't really need a sequel to it, but I also don't mind a sequel to it, I suppose. Um, I, I, I guess I'll say that kind of carefully because sequels can go downhill real fast, but I um, never know. Uh, yeah, but no, I, I thought it was, I thought it was really good. I thought that it was, um, simultaneously very close to what Batman should be without being too generic of an interpretation of what Batman should be, um, which is a hard balance to get. So I'm, I'm impressed that they got it. Yeah, because that's what I was about to ask is that because I know when we did our Batman episode last time, I said I called it the closest thing to the animated series that any of the live action movies have ever gotten to. I don't know if you would agree with that or not. But Yeah, interestingly enough, even the movie, the 89 Batman movie, which like directly inspired the animated series. Yeah, is way more violent and dark. Oh, than the yeah. animated series <laughs> is. And this movie was a lot more like I guess it was a bit more like dour in that like batman was like a, a bit of a sad boy mm. but like and where like bruce wayne and batman in that batman animated series is like a very like heroic person mm. um but in almost every other way than that it um it was very close to the animated series um just generally like the right balance of like grit and camp um yeah. and um yeah, the 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 uh, villain being treated with a lot of like dignity, like he had like a reason for why he was doing what he was doing, and and pretty sympathetic, I would say. Um, and yeah, yeah, being very noiry, the the Batman animated series has has some solid noir aspects to it. So, yeah, yeah, no, I thought it, I thought it was good. I I enjoyed it quite a bit. Nice. That was my that was my mini follow up to last episode. So last, <laughs> there you go. The last like five minutes of this for us were me recapping echoing, <laughs> recapping the last episode and giving my my takes, which were basically just the same as what uh, Henry Ken and Shalom said. But yes, <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it was probably good that you watched it after us, though, so that you could because you, you sort of acted as sort of the voice of the audience when we did that episode. You were like the vessel for like asking questions and stuff like that for people who wanted to know more about the movie in case they were on the fence of seeing it so well you know that was actually an interesting thing too that i i, I guess i should say um is that i was worried after um hearing uh about it from uh you three and getting kind of excited about it that i was gonna go in and it was going to be like my expectations went from nothing to higher and then it would end up being disappointing, whereas it wouldn't have been if I hadn't been on the podcast. Yeah. But actually, I feel like um, I don't know if it exceeded my expectations, but it almost like perfectly matched my expectations, mm -hmm. which um, didn't end up like detracting from it or artificially boosting it in in either like you know in either direction. So I actually felt like I, I got a good experience from it because it was like, oh, um. Like, I don't feel like I, I don't feel like I'm overly impressed because I expected to be disappointed. And I don't feel like I'm disappointed because I wanted to be impressed. I feel like I just kind of got exactly what I signed up for. That's so, good. Yeah. yeah Sometimes it's, it's better. Yeah. Like where a movie perfectly meets your expectations instead of overly exceeding them. I think just cause like, I don't know, then like you don't get too hyped for like what might come after and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, and I also felt like um even though you guys um like our episode was spoiler full and um you guys explained a lot of what was going on, I feel like um 
I feel like it was still very like fresh to me, particularly uh, Badenson. Um, even though you guys described Badenson very thoroughly, um, I felt like I I really enjoyed his interpretation, like seeing it, because I was just like, oh wow, this is not how I would have interpreted. Like, if somebody handed me the job to write Bruce Wayne, it's like this is not what I would have written at all, but in like a good way. Yeah. Well, yeah. I when we were talking in the last episode, I purposefully held back on certain things because I still wanted you to go in and come out of it at least a little bit surprised. You know what I mean? So like I, I had held back on talking about the whole iceberg thing that they did where he shows up at the iceberg launch three times in three different ways. I thought that was really cool. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. And it like, it, you know, showed like different sides of his character and like, uh, Oh yeah. And the whole fake out with where you think the Riddler knows who he is, but he really doesn't. I thought that was very well done. Yeah, that was very, that was very clever. And you know, what was interesting was that um, when, when I watched it, I was like, uh, when he started saying Bruce Wayne and it was like it was indicating that he knew who uh, who Batman was. Uh, um, sometimes that can be like annoying where it's like, huh, how does everybody know this guy's secret identity or whatever? Um, like, why wouldn't they just like kill him, you know, as Bruce yeah. Wayne or whatever? But when I was when I was uh, when I was watching it, I was like, you know, this interpretation of Riddler, I feel like he's actually like a pretty smart guy. So I feel like it's actually pretty deserved that he figured it out. And then, so I was actually on board with it, even if it had been true. But then it yeah. turned out to be a fake out. And I was like, oh, that was really clever, too. And I actually don't mind that he doesn't know either, because I feel like it it works well that way, too. Yeah. So it was kind of funny that um, I was okay with either outcome. And uh, yeah, I thought it was very well done. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Yeah. But yeah, that was... Uh, if we got off topic talking about Brandon Sanderson crap, we definitely got off topic there talking about Batman. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, do we want to? Do we want to wrap this up? Yeah, I think so. Uh, like I said, uh, with a lot of what we were talking about earlier, I feel like I got a lot of good takeaways out of it and have a lot of things to hold myself accountable to now, which is good because it kind of helps me to get out of my whole writer's block thing. And I hope some of the, at least some of the things we said earlier could, could help some other people out there too who may be going through something similar yeah definitely for anybody who's like out there trying to to write definitely try smaller things yeah starting small is definitely very important yeah try smaller things and maybe like yeah don't hold yourself to like the the novel the novel is is great it's obviously like a it's obviously ubiquitous and has served art very well but there's no need to write a novel it's like you can write you can write whatever those 100 pieces are called, the da- drabbles or whatever they're called. Yeah, whatever. yeah, dra- that's where you write a story that's exactly 100 words. A lot of the stories in my first book were drabbles and double drabbles, which is 200 words instead of 100 words. That definitely helped me a lot with even just establishing the discipline of writing, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, like, um, I know that for a lot of people, myself included, like, staring at a blank page, knowing that you want to write an entire novel can be really intimidating. So just don't write an entire novel. Write shorter things. And if you want to, glue them together. And if you don't, don't glue them together. Yeah. And actually, on top of that, uh, like, uh, when I was writing a lot of those drabbles, I had a pocket-sized notebook, a, a really small, thin notebook that fit in my pocket that I noticed after a while, like with relative to my handwriting, it was exactly the right size where I was writing just about a hundred words per page. So like I was able to write drabbles without even having to think too hard about the word count. And then like I would handwrite them and then I would go to type them up. And if it was like a word or two extra longer, I'd figure it out how to like trim some words down. Or if I needed a couple of extra words, I would add them, you know? 
So uh, that definitely. So if you're like somebody like me who likes to write longhand, uh, pocket size notebooks are definitely a great way of, uh, you know, helping you to feel less intimidated because the pages are smaller, but at the same time still keep you going. So that that's probably uh, one other piece of advice to just to get in there, you know. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think that I think that all this stuff is good, and yeah, I definitely think that um, starting small and also finding like what we discussed earlier in it, finding like the right environment for yourself where it's like um, maybe cutting yourself off from the internet, maybe going to a cafe, maybe, maybe you end up like thinking of your best ideas at work and you just should write a, like keep a journal and like write a sentence or whatever every now and then when you think of an idea, whatever it is, just find what works for you. Um, Trying poetry, you know, like all kinds of poetry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, find whatever works for you, write, start small, uh, and, you know, try to, try to, as you said earlier, try to like hone the discipline of writing of like, of making sure that you do it relatively often, because that's when you'll start getting better at it and start, um, like noticing yourself actually like getting things done. Yeah. And also like trying on the discipline note, trying your thing also of like just having, a document that's just for yourself where you just go full word dump with it just to get into the discipline of writing lots of words where you just write like, you know, Luke Skywalker versus Scooby-Doo Dawn of Justice or whatever you want to write. <laughs> yeah, you exactly. Like, Honestly, yeah. that stuff is super fun. I mean, like I write it from like a comedic sense, which obviously increases its fun where I'm like very uh-huh. referential and meta and stuff like that. Um, and maybe it helps me get some of that meta stuff out of my head. Um, mm-hmm. But no, it's, I would say it's like one of the most fun things to do is like, you literally just, you don't even have to do the characters like correctly. You can just make them whatever you want. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, there's nothing wrong with fan fiction, you know, like I started with Star Wars fan fiction, so. Yeah, exactly. I just, uh, I, I wouldn't recommend creepy fan fiction personally, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> if that's what, if that's what you're into by, by all means, more but, power to uh, you, I guess. <laughs> uh, I, I love me a good comedic fan fiction. I think that it's great. Cause it's like, you don't need to worry about characters. Uh, you just come up with the scenarios and yeah. you just make them do it. So yeah. Yeah. And it probably helps with like developing your sense of wit and everything like that. So yeah. And also just like, uh, if you do want to, kind of be true to the characters it helps you like put yourself in the shoes of different characters without having to come up with them so when you do want to create your own characters you like remember the experiences you had writing those and you're like oh what if I like combined those two characters or those three characters or whatever so yeah yeah for sure All right. well I guess we're gonna sign off it's been fun doing this We, we should definitely consider doing one of these every now and then yeah, yeah, maybe like yeah. once every ten episodes, because the, the, that's what we did here. We had done ten episodes, I think, and then this is episode eleven. I'm pretty sure. If or actually no, this is episode twelve. If you count the intro episode that we did, I think. Ah, uh, we don't have to count that. So wait, yeah, whatever. Yeah. This might be a good period of time to. Re- so what it was Bond. Uh, I was Bond, Dune, Spider Man, the three Star Wars ones. So yeah, thirty six, and then it was. Uh, the Marvel one and then Batman. Oh, so this would be episode nine, a 10 if you count the intro. Okay. So like every okay. nine or 10 episodes. Sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. I was like, I was like, wow, has it been 10 already. I know, dude, time flies. It's, it's crazy.
Well, yeah. it, it helps when there's like those three Star Wars ones because there's just so much Star Wars crap to talk about. Oh, yeah. And we have Kenobi coming out in uh, two months now, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I do have to say, um, since we're now just kind of like chit-chatting, I, I, I have not watched any of the Marvel TV shows and I've not watched any of the Star Wars TV shows. Uh, okay, actually, I watched the first two or three episodes of Mando. Um and it was good. I just didn't feel like continuing it. Um, but uh, I like actually am going to watch the Kenobi show. I don't know why necessarily. I think it's just that I do genuinely really like the character of Obi-Wan. So mm-hmm. um, I also just love Ewan McGregor. I think he's great. Yeah. Um, and it's also the closest thing to another movie that we have right now. Another saga movie because, you know, Ewan McGregor back as Kenobi. Little kid Luke is in it. Vader's in it. John Williams is doing the music, you know. So. Oh, I thought John Williams retired. He came out of retirement to do this show. Oh, wow. He must like Obi-Wan. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, and money. Oh, well, I mean, I'm sure he's <laughs> loaded. He's probably filthy rich, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe he felt like this was important enough that he should do it. Um, yeah. Whereas he wasn't that interested in doing the new stuff because it's like he has no attachment to it. But as soon as he hears like Obi-Wan and Vader and stuff, he's like, oh, I should do that. Yeah, um, probably. But I hope they give him like proper time to do it. Uh, or they yeah, gave I don't him, know. I guess, at this point. Yeah, but, I think um, he was already working on it in secret for a while. Yeah. Oh, okay, good. Um, I was just going to say really quickly, uh, I feel like people are really underestimating how long this show is. Like, people are like, oh, it's another like Star Wars TV show. But it's like, haven't they announced that it's going to be like six about hour long episodes? Yeah, like that's basically another trilogy. Yeah, yeah, or like fifty minutes to an hour, I think, is what I heard for each episode. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. But I heard yeah. at least, I heard at least an hour long. That's yeah, I- that wouldn't surprise me because I think I had heard that they, when they were originally thinking about doing this as a movie, they had lots of different ideas of what they could do and couldn't really settle on a direction for a movie. So, I guess doing it as a show allows them to do all kinds of different ideas. You know, I imagine. There will probably be like a three episode arc that's just about him going up against the Inquisitors and then like another three episode arc that's about him going up against Vader. Or so. I, I, I have no idea. I'm just spitballing based on like what I saw from the trailers and stuff. But yeah, I just think it's fascinating because like I feel like um, I feel like it's like a lot of people that I hear. It's like, oh, it's like an Obi-Wan show. That's really cool. And it's like, guys, this is like a Star Wars trilogy that's coming out in like in within like what it starts in it starts in may late may and ends in late july it's like there's literally a star wars trilogy that's coming out within two months yeah like isn't that a relatively big deal and it's also like about obi-wan i don't know yeah no maybe maybe i like obi-wan more than other people i don't know but like i feel like that's a huge deal but it's like relatively low key i don't know maybe people are burned out on star wars which i, I don't think, blame i them, think it's I that do. a little bit but i do agree with you that this is the closest thing to another saga trilogy that we have right now but you just know like there's going to be a ton of fan edits of like turning it into like actual movie trilogy form like you said or like even trying to crunch it down to a singular movie i could already see a bunch of people doing that the nerds and stuff like that so yeah it'll yeah. be interesting yeah. yeah i mean like i say this as like a person who's kind of burned out on star wars myself but i i don't know i think that's like really impressive to think about that it's like think of all the effort that goes into a, a series of three movies like 
And it's like, they basically have done that, and it's going to release within, like, six weeks of each other. I don't know, that's freaky to me. Yeah, well, I definitely agree. But another thing to take into account is that this was in development hell for a long time. They, sh- they I think they started shooting it, like, back in COVID days, like, like when COVID started. So this is this has been coming down the pipeline for a long time. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I think it's just, yeah. I don't know. I think it's just amazing that, like, think of... Uh, obviously the force awakens was like the return of star wars after this dormant period of time so it's like this huge release and everything um and then like the last jedi it's this huge release and like the 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 uh, rise of skywalker or whatever is this huge release and it's like uh i feel like this is yeah very like generally low key but it's like more than more time wise at least than any of one of those movies it's more than any two of those movies so i don't know it's just fascinating to me. yeah yeah well you never know as it gets closer uh and even as the episodes start coming out more hype around it might start to build i guess we'll just have to wait and see but... yeah i i uh even though i'm like pretty much uh like detached from star wars now uh i i hope it's good i think that um uh i think that there's stuff in it that I already know I don't particularly like that I'm sure we can get into when we do like an episode about it. But mm-hmm. um, uh, I mean, I, I hope I have uh, I don't know if I have high expectations for it. I'm not really holding it to any like crazy standard. I know a lot of people, particularly like prequel fans out there are saying like they better not mess this up. I don't know if I'm in that mode of like actually caring about how it turns out, but I definitely like I hope it. I hope it's good. I I hope that uh, I hope that they they do Obi Wan's character justice. I hope that it's not over the top with like Vader crap and whatnot and Inquisitor yeah. crap. <laughs> That's uh, what I'm worried about. But yeah, hopefully it's good. Yeah, yeah hopefully, yeah, it could be good. Yeah, um, but I do think like also the technology they invented, like uh, for Mando, that they've been using for this, where like they could film everything inside a dome now and it looks real. That was also a big leap forward in being able to do way you described like filming a whole trilogy's worth of story content in in a short amount of time for a low budget that could be done on a streaming service yeah that that dome thing whatever it's called was a big leap forward and stuff like that true that's really that thing is really cool um yeah yeah because i mean i don't know i'm excited in the trailers like they showed like obi-wan sneaking around on like some like city like you know like industrialized yeah it looks like shanghai or something yeah it looks like shanghai it's like i don't know i want to see that that's pretty neat i don't know i'm just glad he's going off world so that we're not on tatooine the whole time uh same even though i think it's kind of weird that he's leaving i also (laughs) am glad that he's leaving uh i could use a break it's been there for like 10 years it's fine (laughs) yeah yeah i mean Luke, luke isn't really doing anything He's just kind of like playing with that stupid glider or whatever. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I I think, again, high hopes, basically zero expectations. We shall see. Yep. Okay. Well, uh, that was cool. Uh, now Agreed. I got to figure out what to call the episode. If we, I was just going to call it writing discussion, but now I think I should call it like writing discussion slash shooting the shit or something like that. Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah, I'll figure it out. All right, cool. Well, thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. Bye. Bye.